Here we go. Yeah! The Earth Fox Podcast. Welcome to the Earth Fox Podcast. With 404. Missing Link. Yeah, he's a great man, by the way. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And visit us at vox404.com. Enjoy the show. So, 404, what is your favorite basketball team? What the hell is basketball? <laughs> I knew it. No, you, but you are you are aware of basketball, yeah. I uh, yeah, you know, I'm uh, I'm aware there's a brand of shoes. Bunch of tall blokes running around throwing a oversized grapefruit into a bat. You know, that's actually how, or the, at least this is the rumor of how basketball was invented. They were all throwing their fruit of some kind. I think in the version that I heard, it was an apple into, into a basket. And holy shit, how did they get from an apple to a bowl that size? No kidding. What else could they have been throwing? Watermelons? This is, uh, <laughs> this is big, this is big grocery because I think they might be lying to us about the real size of oh, apples. Oh, yeah. They w- <laughs> and they've been reducing the size of apples over time. <laughs> yes, just like lumber. That's what, they've, that's what they've done with lumber. Now, that's, that's why a two by four is an inch and a half by three and a half now. Yeah, you know, I know. He- it's, not even, it's not even lumber anymore. You know, they call that big twig. That's what they call that. You know, instead of big lumber, it's big twig now. You can't even call it lumber, man. Oh, yeah, because it, it's offensive. You know why? It's because the Jews run everything. <laughs> yeah, <definitely>. yeah. <laughs> Those goddamn Jews and their chainsaw companies. But do, do they have basketball teams in the UK? Um, I assume so. Um, you know, I was in North Greenwich at the weekend uh, for a music event and they had this basketball court that was on top of a roof and it was really sick. And there were like a couple of people playing basketball up there. Um, I think that was the national team, just those two people up there. Uh, so, so yeah, I reckon we have teams, but do they play like, like what about in, in school? Like, cause in school in in high school, at least, They've got, I mean, they've got a team for almost everything for, I mean, it, but not cricket. Like they have uh, a baseball team. Baseball is very common. Basketball is very common. Football, American football and European football. As a matter of fact, you know, soccer. And like lacrosse isn't very popular, although there's a lot, I mean, depending on how affluent the school is, you'll have a, a lacrosse team. I think there's some rugby, but it's not like I went to very small schools. So it was basically only like the big three, which would be baseball, basketball and tackle football. But what about, what about in the UK? What kind of extracurricular sporting is there? Well, I think again, it you know, depends on what school you go to. So Um, you know, actually my, you know, my girlfriend is a school teacher, so she actually does play a bit of basketball with her kids, which is 
not that was not my experience at school we never played basketball we might every now and again get to play like dodgeball um you know very simple games like that and then we, we would play what we call football which is your version of soccer um didn't play much rugby in early school years but when i went to like you know high school um i played lots of rugby uh hockey not ice hockey but you know grass hockey oh nice and a bit of football i never played cricket i don't like cricket i never played cricket um and i did like other weird sports like i did like sailing or climbing and stuff oh, like that. awesome so, yeah no that sounds really cool yeah i like i wanted to play hockey ice hockey um which is actually that was that was a sport that i really sort of i, I was organically attracted to hockey no one around me really was a hockey fan <clears throat> in my family or, or or friends it's more of a canadian thing right but there were no yeah. there were no school teams it was all what we call club teams where you can i mean sometimes there's a club team kind of based on your school district but it's mu- it's much more I don't know about exclusive, but you kind of have to be like, there, there's no obligation for them to put you on the team. Like there is right, if right. you, if you play through your school, you know, like nobody, nobody can be excluded and everybody gets a trophy and, and all of that nonsense that exists in schools. It doesn't really exist in club teams, but the downside with a club team, especially for uh, hockey is you got to buy all your own gear. They don't have a room full of gear that was financed by the taxpayers like they do in in school like on a football team Mm. and all of that stuff is so expensive that not only were was i looking at having to buy all of my own equipment but also having to transport myself to the ice rink which was an hour away i think from from where i was living so that was basically the end of that and I went to play uh, American football instead, which was fun. I was good, you know, which makes it a lot better. Like, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of doing things that I'm not good at. And I usually, it's weird. I find that most of, for most things, I hit a wall. And, you know, like, for, for gaming especially, with my group of friends at the time, you get to a certain point or maybe uh maybe like billiards is better you know pool or uh, or ping pong you know which which or snooker my my group of friends what the hell is that is snooker? that a, is that oh oh i see i see what you're doing <laughs> <clears throat> getting some of that uh that uh well, you couldn't really call it Cockney rhyming, rhyming slang, but uh, that is a big part of British humor, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think so. like going way back. Yeah, there's less of that now, you know, because there's not many Cockney people, you know, left really. You, you hear the accent, but you don't get the slang anymore, you know. That's too bad. Uh, That's one of my favorite parts of, well, I mean, 
what do I know about British culture aside from what I see in films? But it's, uh, you know, and, and even like in my group of friends, you know, others that are big fans of British culture and, and British humor love the rhyming slang. And it's, I mean, I get it most from, you know, like Guy Ritchie movies. And I don't, you know, like I say, it's, it's like uh, looking at this. I mean, looking at any American movie and going, oh, see, that's what life is really like in America. Eh, not so much. No. Maybe it, in the fact that it, there's people and cars. <laughs> I think the reason Guy Ritchie films are so good, though, is because they take something that's so true in UK culture and they turn it up to 11. You know, Guy Ritchie's uh, brilliant at doing that in uh, taking... Agreed. Yeah. Right, but if you try to mimic real life identically in, in your film, it becomes boring because real life is, is generally boring. I don't know, unless you're somebody awesome like Guy Ritchie and you get to make sweet movies all, all day long and make hundreds of millions of dollars. I wonder, I wonder how much Guy Ritchie is worth. You know, he's not hurting for cash. He's probably got multiple so. homes overlooking <laughs> the beautiful English coast, which he loves to talk a bunch of 150 million. Wow. Guy Ritchie. That's, I mean, so he's, uh, he's comfortable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was married to Madonna for, for a while, you know, so like he was big. Oh, that poor celebrity. man. Yeah, I know. She's she looks weird now. Oh, it's and it's so unfortunate. Yeah. She ruined her face. What what is what makes people do that? Why don't well, I know exactly what it is because they they feel all of this pressure. Like who's that girl um Ortega? It's basically um she's the girl from the new Adams family or or that uh that movie, God, why are words so hard? Wednesday. From, you know, the, the Adams Family character, and then I think Netflix, or whomever made a spinoff on her character from, from the Adams Family, and she's basically a carbon copy of uh, Aubrey Plaza, who was, uh, yes. you know, uh, I mean, she was one of the core characters, but I mean, I don't know if you would call her a main character in that uh, TV series, Parks and Recreation, which is That's really a good. good. Show. Yeah, it's like a, not a spinoff, but it ver very similar to The Office in like, it's like a workplace comedy yeah. sort of faux uh, reality TV. Which turned a lot of people off. God, reality TV was just a dreadful time in American television that then I think kind of bled into world's global planetary television. But there were some, I mean, what, what kind of reality TV was big in the UK? I mean, I'm sure you guys got survivor Ooh. 
Yeah, yeah. We we got survival. We got lots of like uh, you know, kind of current affairs and reality TV stuff as well. Like there was this mid noughties um push for there was a lot of like stuff that would just programs that would just find the most fucked up people like they would just find the most poor people or the most like you know uh people that would just scrounge off the benefit system or people that were like really overweight and you know they would try and find them and try and turn them around or or just follow them around and do like these sort of reality shows to show how you know crazy these people were so that was like a lot of the uk stuff and it would be addictive because you'd be like wow what's next you know next episode they're gonna find some you know family with like 16 kids living in a mansion and it would you know it would get you all outraged because you were like they're just living off the state you know um uh. yeah so like that was like our reality tv and then you know of course as time goes on everything kind of becomes the same thing so now we have keeping up with the kardashians and whatever the you know the real you know quote-unquote real housewives of x location you know what i mean so we get all that as well it's oh yeah my wife loves those shows and there's like six different versions i think or even more it's housewives of new jersey and housewives of hollywood and then uh like housewives of of uh no i, I there's it, it's just it's endless they if they can find uh, a group of middle-aged women crazy enough they'll make a tv show about them yeah literally they just have like endless content they just go from location to location they're like you know la orange county chernobyl north korea <laughs> they just they, they just keep going to all these locations trying to find you know like you know just weird people it's the real housewives of pyongyang <laughs> that, yeah that's it the real housewives of the ccp Oh, oh man, it must be so well, every time I, I think about that, and it's it's the same thing with Russia. But every time I think about and I brought it up on the last show, how terrible life must be for people in China, I immediately go to, well, there's like a billion and a half of them over there. If it yeah. was if it was that bad, they would do something, right? But it's it's weird in China because they have such a they have such a stranglehold on everything on all the information like even the movies, mm. and and Hollywood desperately wants access to that market a billion and a half people like you know and and NBC too uh, has uh, you know NBC Universal and. They, there's a Universal Studios theme park in Beijing, I think. Oh, that, really? That sees like a billion people a year. So if NBC Universal, you know, that's that's the parent company for all of the movie studios and, you know, MSNBC, the media outlet or mm. pro propaganda mm -hmm. outlet, I should say. Mm. And if they do anything to upset China you know, upset communist, the communist party, then they're, I mean, the CCP holds that market of a billion and a half people and says, oh, now you don't get this. You said some, you acknowledged Taiwan's independence. So <laughs> you don't get access to this billion and a half people anymore. 
And if you if you want to make amends, you're going to have to bend the knee to the CCP. That's a great slogan. We should put that on a t-shirt. Bend, bend the, knee. the knee to the CCP. Boom. There it is. Yeah. Market. Copywritten there. <laughs> Head of PR for the CCP. You know, I was thinking about that yesterday as a matter, as a matter of fact, because I get discouraged, you know, shadow banned on Twitter, you know, a new account on, on Gab and Mines, you know, follow me there at Earthbox or, or the Earthbox podcast, you know, just punch it in. We're, we're everywhere. We're all over the place. We also have Vox404.com, but I'm not into social media anymore. And, and especially not when there's no engagement, when, when, every, yeah. when everything goes unnoticed and not to pat myself on the back, but I am pretty brilliant and hilarious. So it's not like my content is wanting. It's just buried because I type things like hashtag Trump 2024. And I haven't even done that recently. It's been months, but some, some algorithm I was listening to, uh, you know, cause there's this, um, this big story about, uh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg ripping off uh, Twitter, which, which we'll get into. But uh, oh, yeah, threads. Yeah, threads. And I'm so I'm, I'm listening to this story and this guy's talking about uh, algorithms and AI and how they the, these social media companies just employ uh, artificial intelligence to uh what do they call it uh data stripping or or something data scraping scraping data that's scraping. that's it that's it thank you and they so they do all of this data scraping to these ai algorithms and then they identify the, the it's it's not actually a real person it's the artificial intelligence detects misinformation and then that's fed into this censorship algorithm that makes it so I type hashtag Trump 2024 in the content context of, you know, DeSantis isn't going to cut it basically. And this AI algorithm goes, Oh, he's a Trump supporter. We're going to ban all of his content. And I wind up feeling like I felt yesterday, which is maybe I should go just full pro Chinese communist party and get myself some engagement for crying out loud. Like, what do I have to do? Because I, I noticed there was a story about uh, Theo Vaughn and Roseanne. I'm sure you've heard, you heard about that. You're a Theo Vaughn yeah, fan. I've yeah. heard about this. Actually. Yeah. I'm a huge Theo Vaughn fan. Yeah. So Roseanne goes on Theo Vaughn and is just, you know, she's, a woman after my own heart. She she uh, le- she loves conspiracy theories. She's you know kind of crazy, kind of out there. You know, huge celebrity. Well, was a huge celebrity until she voiced her support for communist talking points. Or not com- not communist. <laughs> conservative conservative <laughs> talking points. I was gonna say I don't remember that from the podcast. And uh, she goes on this rant about. Joe Biden getting 81 million votes. Well, you know what? We weren't planning on bringing it up, but we should play it. I, when I ran for president in 2012, one of my 
uh, platform things was I will outlaw bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, and I know that that horrified people because what will they do now? Right. They're addicted to it. They'd rather have that than food or a happy family. She's so thin so now. addicted to their fucking bullshit. It's true, oh, huh? But, you know, realize. comics, I think we're the last free speech art form. And as long as we're performing, things end as bad as they could be. You know, I think that's true. As long as we're performing, things aren't as bad as they could be. Yeah. And that's always been the case throughout time, like with jesters or with yeah. people that was trying to speak up and share. There's always been a ceiling on on speech, hasn't there, in a way? Of course. Nobody wants to hear the real truth. They're horrified. I'd rather go with bullshit. It's easier. And uh, like for the real truth that, you know, and I'm glad that they did set up all these guidelines so that we only are allowed to speak the truth and the truth is that biden got 81 million votes by winning 36 counties and that is just incredible it really really is and um that of these 81 million supporters who gave him more more votes than any president has ever gotten before he came with a mandate from these 81 million voters and uh you know I, i'm just glad that they we're very careful to make sure that nobody could um, detract from that proven truth. You know what I mean? Like, what do you mean? Like that nobody... That they mandated that that was the truth and that nobody could say, well, what about no? Oh, it was made a mandate? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So the government made it a mandate? Yeah. Because, you know, YouTube did, and so did uh, all oh, the social... Oh, so you can't speak, you can't even speak on that in those platforms. No, you can't say, you know... That it wasn't. You can't say that, like, you know, the there election was election... Was rigged or, yeah, right. that's all. She's just talking a bunch of bullshit and, and confusing the hell out of Theo. <laughs> <laughs> Why? The election was not rigged. 36 counties can give you 81 million votes. Right. That's a fact. So it wasn't rigged? Of course not. Yeah. 36 <laughs> counties have 81 million people in them. Yeah, 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 See? Yeah. That's the truth. And yeah. don't you dare say anything against it or you'll be off YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and all the other ones. Because we have, you know, there's such a thing as the truth and facts and we have to stick to it. And, um, you know. It's scary. And that is the truth. And nobody died in the Holocaust either. And she's just dead, That's the truth. Yeah. It should happen. <laughs> Six million Jews should die right now because they cause all the problems in the She's world. Jewish. But it never happened. But it never happened. Yeah. Mandated. Well, you're, because you're part Jewish, right? Part of your family's Jewish? I'm all Jewish. You're all Jewish. 100%. And a lot of Hollywood is Jewish. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a lot of Hollywood is a Jewish business, really. Well, they started Hollywood. Yeah. Right. But so was it weird? Like, you can see the look on his face. Like, oh my God, this is, this is, how do I fix this? How, yeah. how do I save this? Yeah, this is so funny, man. Because that was like, and, and I think she had to have known that it was going to be bad, the backlash. From, from all of these things that she's saying. Because she goes through yeah. all of the thing about the 81 million votes that is by, like... I think I heard that the most votes a president ever got before Donald Trump 
was like 65 million. Right. Then, then Donald Trump wins in 2016 with, you know, something like, God, well, I don't, I don't know. And it, the, I don't care to look it up because it's really irrelevant. In 2020, he breaks the record again and gets 75 million votes. And Joe Biden blows him out of the water with his 81 million votes, as, as she's saying. And one of the pieces of evidence that they point to to say, see, this, was, this election was bogus, is that Joe Biden got 81 million votes, more, more votes by a long shot than any president in history. But he only won X number of counties. And it was, it was mm. more than 36 it's it's more than the 36 that Roseanne is referring to. You know, we didn't plan on on bringing this up, so I didn't do a deep dive into the claims that she was making. But what happened then, as you heard, is then she says the Holocaust didn't happen. And oh, by the way, I'm Jewish. And that takes everything that she just said and turns it on its head and lets yeah. everyone listening know that she was deliberately full of shit with everything that she just said by capping it with this Holocaust denial. Mm. Mm -hmm. So the backlash soars through the roof. They make Theo Vaughn take the podcast down. And he agrees. And I couldn't help but notice after this happened, one of my favorite things to do in the evening, just before I go to bed, is I bring up YouTube and I start watching shorts because I was, I was really into TikTok. I really enjoyed TikTok until it was revealed that it was a uh, Chinese communist party spyware. Not to say that YouTube is any better, but YouTube has shorts and there's, I don't know if it's culturally detrimental or not, but it's, it's good stuff. It's, it's good content. It's almost like a guilty pleasure. And I couldn't help but notice after this scandal with the Roseanne Barr interview, Theo Vaughn is really getting pumped into my feed. Now, could it be just a coincidence? Yes, of course. It could just be a coincidence. But when I see people with conservative views and common sense insights, getting absolutely throttled, myself included. And I noticed that oh, there was just this big controversy with Theo Vaughn's content. He took down the podcast and now he's getting pushed into my feed way more than, than ordinarily. Mm -hmm. I can't help but think that there's some connection there. Because see, Roseanne, she spoke out against the establishment. She spoke out against the cultural manipulation that happens in Hollywood. And her life has been totally ruined. They revived her show for fuck's sake. She was set to be a huge star again. And then they found out. The Hollywood establishment found out that she supported Donald Trump and it was over for her. They, they took this misunderstanding blew it way out of proportion, labeled her as a racist and a Trump supporter and a fascist and yada, 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 yada. 
And then they were going to do the same thing to Theo Vaughn. But where Roseanne pushed back and said, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me, a la Rage Against the Machine, Theo Vaughn said, okay, I'm sorry, and took it down. How does that strike you? Did, did he do the right thing? Or should Theo Vaughn have stood up, made his fans get behind him, and, and say, you know, no, we love Theo, we're not going to abandon him? Or did he do the right thing so, by backing down? I think, well, one of the, from what I uh, heard on his podcast today when I was listening to it, is that I don't think he was given a choice. I think YouTube took it down because they said it was hate speech and then gave him a strike on his YouTube channel so he can't post for a week. So I don't think he had a choice. Not if he wanted YouTube, to maintain his his way of life. Well, it was like you know, it, they they say why. Well, the, the, he said there's there's no conversation, you, there's no like appeal process really or anything like that. So they just take it down and give you a strike and say don't do that shit again. And there's just kind of nothing you can do. Although I will say it's still up on like Apple Podcasts and other things like that. So it just seems like it's a. And of course, the whole thing is up on Twitter. So it just seems like more of a YouTube thing. Um, it's upsetting. Yeah. Because I, I feel like we have a good product here. I don't feel like we're all that controversial. The things, no. the things that we discuss, even the controversial things, are still being discussed across multiple podcast platforms. And that's one thing I'm, I'm very grateful to Apple and Spotify and SoundCloud and, and so far Acast, even though the, the quality may be an issue moving forward. None of that has even, even my old podcast that was nuked by Google and, and Alphabet still had a home on Apple podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher and, Everywhere you're, you listen to your favorite podcasts. Uh, so, you know, smash that like button, etc. <laughs> I never got any flack from them. So on one hand, I'm discouraged, but put in perspective by you. Thank you. Just now. It is just a YouTube thing. Yeah. And I, but I do, I do feel like we're missing out on a big YouTube, you know, potentially big YouTube audience. I still feel like having a video podcast isn't really necessary. Do you watch any podcasts and do, do you watch any video podcasts? No. No, uh, no, I don't. Um, I watch plenty of I, clips. Yeah, me too. I watch plenty of YouTube, um, but I don't watch YouTube podcasts because I, I don't know. I always feel like podcasts are more of an auditory thing and I just don't get much out of watching it. Unless we'll see. <laughs> this is a thing that drives me crazy. I really like listening to um, your mom's house. With Tom Segura and his wife, Christina Pajitsky. 
Oh yeah, yeah. And they do almost like. Do you remember uh, Tosh? Tosh point oh on. Uh, well, it was a basic cable like kind of variety show where Daniel Tosh, American comedian, would play like uh, fail army videos and then heckle them and and you know kind of comment and laugh and rewind and watch it back and it was pretty good it was pretty funny well ba- tom segura and his wife basically do that very thing for half to a third of their show every week and probably 50% of the time that's when i stop listening because it turns into, and I, I love Tom Segura, I love Chris, uh, Christina P, and I love most of their products. But a lot of the time on this podcast, it devolves into playing the same, like their favorite clips for a new guest to just kind of get their reactions. But there's right. no, like, when they, so. When it's when they're like playing the hits, the classics, it's a lot more enjoyable than when they're playing a new video because all you have is audio. From my perspective, and I would say from the perspective of a lot of listeners, and they don't describe. There's no description of of what we're seeing. Yeah, that really vexes me actually as well. And 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 another thing, like I I I don't understand why. I mean, because they want to be a TV show, which I get, I, I, I totally get, but you're, that's like the only scenario where I feel like I want to sit down and watch the video of the significant podcast. Mm -hmm. And, but even when, you know, even when Joe Rogan does it or Adam Carolla or any of the other great podcasters. They'll take a beat like Sam Tripoli is great at this and he has a whole family of podcasts. I, I highly recommend if you're into comedy and conspiracy theories, he takes a, a second and, and, you know, sort of subtitles for the audio listener. This is what's going on in this clip, which I really appreciate. But what I don't appreciate, as I was listening yesterday to this to his podcast called uh, Broken Simulation, which is similar to this one, it's variety, <clears throat> current events, news topics, politics, etc. They play these clips, and they play them at like one and a half speed or or two x speed, and I just can't. Hand. Do, do you listen to any of your stuff at, at double speed or one and a half? No, 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 no. I can't stand it, bro. I can't. Yeah. I can't take it. I understand why they do it. Because they want to get this content into their show and they don't want it to run long. But man, it's called looking for a good clip. I, I hate to be rude, but if you, if you have to play this clip at one and a half times normal speed or two times normal speed guess what it's a bad clip find a better clip or edit it down but i get it i get it i'm not you know they are 
far and away more successful than I. But they're heavily censored on, on YouTube and social media and they have these guests on. There, like, there was a guy that just came on uh, a, a week or so ago in an emergency podcast who taught, and this is why <laughs> uh, I love to bring it up because I'm pretty sure that they listen because they're it, uh, shortly after the Titan submersible uh, ocean gate expeditions story came out. They had this expert on to talk about all the abnormalities in the story and, and, and what happened. And they eventually arrived at the conclusion that this may have been all uh, a fakery and not even necessarily that these guys faked their death as I posited, but just that it could be, it, it could have just been a manufactured story to distract the, the population. Mm. And some of the things the guy was saying, the guy that was being interviewed, he was pumping his YouTube channel and the host said, Whoa, bro, you're on YouTube. That's brave. And it's weird because some people, a lot of people I hear go on these podcasts and talk about crazy conspiracy theories. And then they promote their YouTube channel. It's like, wait a minute. What, how come they get a YouTube channel because they don't talk about Trump? Like, why is Donald Trump so feared? Why does this ruling class across the world, why are they all so afraid of Trump? I don't know. They give the guy a lot of fucking airtime. It's mad. It's mad. There's more people that can do more damage than Trump. Well, because he's, he attracts, in my opinion, he attracts so much attention. So on mm. one hand... Like if, if you're going to talk about him, that's what I need to do, man. I just need to go full, full pro CCP anti Donald Trump. And we will catapult this podcast to the top of the charts. Probably anything with an ESG score is usually stuff that gets put on the front page. And I, I, I really wonder about that for media companies. I was thinking about that yesterday. Like what does, because Fox news, for example, they get rid of all their popular personalities. The, the feed on foxnews.com is totally neutered. And I just can't help, but one, and, and they don't cover anything. Trump like scroll and scroll and scroll and find something on Trump that isn't related to a more preferred candidate. Like the only con the only times I see reference to Trump at Fox news is when they're talking about Chris Christie, the, the former governor of New Jersey, who's uh, you know, Republican presidential candidate or Ron DeSantis. Mm. Everybody knows Ron DeSantis mm -hmm. at this point. And I just can't help but think that there is ESG environmental social governance scores attached to these media companies in a way that hobbles them and forces them to report on the cultural narrative. And because they're sort of a conservative outlet, or this is how they want to brand themselves, 
they're allowed to talk about these conservative talking points, but nothing hot button, nothing that could, nothing that's going to make people think or upset their current perspective. It's, it's almost as if Fox news is being allowed to publish conservative content as long as it's not pro Donald Trump. So when you look at these publications that come out slamming this, this new movie, uh, the sound of freedom that's about, uh, child sex trafficking. Mm. Like this article we read in Rolling Stone about what a, yeah, what the fuck? What a terrible movie. This is not the news. sound of freedom is, is. I mean, I can't, but, but so not just to read that headline, prevent burying the lead. This movie was released at the same time as Indiana Jones five, you know, highly anticipated by some Indiana Jones was. Uh, there's a lot of skeptical people like me who are fans of the old Indiana Jones movies who were sort of disappointed. I don't, I mean, I don't know. Did you see the kingdom of the crystal skull? Uh, yeah, that was weak. This new one, Indiana Jones and the mystery of the menstrual cycle. I'm not really <laughs> sure if I'm, if I'm keen on that. <laughs> Fucking hell. They just ruined everything, bro. And it's not even it's like, Disney. it's woke. It's it's not even that it's woke or it's just whatever. It's just a shit fucking film, and the you've it, seen Disney it. fell off. I've seen a few clips. I've seen I've seen some of it. I couldn't fucking sit through it. Oh yeah, um, that's me for most you know, movies I too. I didn't go to the cinema and see it. I'll just say that. Oh, um, I got gotcha. you, uh, Armaty. <laughs> I yeah, I'm not paying money for something that like might be might be mid at best. You know. I'll well, I've lost all see, faith. You know. Yeah, I mean, look, there's going to be a couple of good movies that are coming out. The new um, Mission Impossible one, that's going to be, you know, the story will be made, but, uh, you know, the whole experience will be good. And then, you know, well, Oppenheimer coming out later this month. The new Top Gun movie, Top Gun Maverick, which I still haven't seen yeah. because I'm just, I don't know, I like movies, but I'm not really a movie guy. I, I have a yeah, hard yeah. time sitting in one spot for that long. Came out to rave reviews. Not woke. Uh, they sort of flew in the face of China because China wanted them to take out the Taiwanese flag because, you know, I think it was uh, Tom Cruise. Maverick himself had a bomber jacket with a Taiwanese flag on the back of it. And China said, you got to take that flag out of that movie or we're not going to let you show it in China. Well, the creators of Top Gun Maverick said, mm, nah, we're going to leave it in. And it was very pro-America, very pro-military. I mean, I don't know. It, there's, there's a whole rabbit hole of conspiracies to go down in that regard. Yeah, for sure. But it was rave reviews. Rave reviews. Yeah, film. Everybody loved yeah. it. I'm excited to see it when I, when I finally get the opportunity. I, I've seen it. it it's just a... Uh... It's just a good film, you know? It's just, you go and see a film and it's just good. It's got a simple story and it's got great effects and you feel like you haven't wasted two hours of your life. 
Um, that is basically what a film is. You know, I, I don't need to be fucking lectured to. I get lectured to all the time in normal life. Well, I don't what, need to go to a film and be told I'm shit or something. What bothers me, that's exactly what bothers me. Well, maybe not exactly, but what bothers me in a, with a lot of modern movies and TV shows is how the woke culture is not just present, not just present in the content of the movie, but how it's forced in there. It's, it's, you're, you're just fisted by it. It makes no sense for the plot there there. It has no business being there except for to remind you while you're trying to escape from reality. You're being force fed the woke narrative. And it just reminds you, oh, yeah, that's right. We're in the midst of a culture war. Where, I mean, what does it boil down to for you? Like, what is it? Is it communism versus capitalism? Is it good versus evil? <laughs> you know, like, what are, what are the two sides in your opinion? For me, it's just, it's just they're, sh- they're shit films. Like, if you're... Um, if you want to make a film or, or write a film, they're just trying to win uh, culture points. Story. I, d- I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's more egotistical than that. I think it's, um, writers and creative types who are typically more, let's say out there. There's, there's definitely <laughs> arrogance. There's definitely yeah, arrogance there. It's more of an ego thing. They're like, Oh, I have this. Cause you hear it in actors as well, right? They go up and get their Oscar, which is the same thing as like the Nobel prize or, <laughs> you know, solving world hunger. And they'll go up there and go, wow, I just want to thank, you know, all the people. And I just want to use this moment to, you know, pledge my support for the environment. Or as a gay woman of, of color, I just have to yeah, say, you know, <laughs> that, that, that's just it. it. It feels, it feels more like a cop out, but the, they've lost, for some reason, they're giving airtime to these to these writers or whatever. But I think because the because the creative space is a little bit like this, um, it's just it's just gone a bit like this, and 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 they can't because these people don't understand that um, it's a business and you have to make money. They don't understand that you can't just make anything and it will make money because that's previously what's been happening, right? Every movie that would come out, you know, Marvel film, whatever, would go out and you'd you'd set you'd set records you'd set unbelievable records and, and make money. So it wasn't really important for there to be any quality in the writing. And the same goes for Netflix where they would green light basically anything. And even South Park made fun of them saying, you know, hello, welcome to Netflix. You're greenlit, which I thought was brilliant. <laughs> and that's the culture, which is it doesn't have to be good. It just has to be content. And when you make that culture, people just write whatever they want and what some creative people like or want is to create things because they think they have a platform to create things almost in their image. And that compared to, you know, classic films from the nineties and and the seventies, which have similar cultural significance had controversial topics with really good cinematography and really good story writing. And now you have films that have stripped away all the character development and story all the cinematography and cinema value and all you're left with is the controversial uh, elements of that. But if it, you know, if you add all those bits back in, you get, you know, the matrix, which is an anti uh, you know, an anti-establishment 
uh, trilogy. You get something like Fight Club, which is an anti-consumer uh, film. You get uh, Lockstock, which is, you know, a Cockney sort of left field film. You get all kinds of really cool stuff that happens when you take people that are a little bit out there with, you know, controversial opinions and, and views and whatever. And you give them a, and you give them, you know, like 30 grand to, to make a really cool film. But now because, uh, we're in this space where it's basically impossible to not make money. Well now, now it's gone the other way. It's yeah, it be it's become way more annoying to see films, but I think it will get better. I think now that people are becoming more self-aware about this issue, I honestly think the film industry will get better and since we're going into a tumultuous time that tends to make better content in general. If you think of the nineties, that was a hard time for a lot of people. Seventies as well. We well, really yeah. In the, in the eighties, it was, uh, I mean, this was before my time, but there was the fuel shortages, right? And that was creating a lot of just, you know, economic discomfort and, uh, frustration. Yeah. And it came out in, in, in the nineties, all of this great content born out of struggle and, and discontent. And it was, uh, like the same thing in the sixties with, uh, you know, Vietnam war bleeding into the seventies and then all the great, uh, you know, seventies rock and roll credence, Clearwater revival and Jimi Hendrix and all of these war songs that were born from people's cultural frustrations. And, and now here we are again in 2023, we have Bud Light going from America's number one beer brand to America's number one embarrassment. Because <laughs> you're absolutely right. People are turning the culture around. They're saying we're sick of this shit. We're sick of being reminded of this culture war everywhere we turn. And it was, it's weird. I know it was happening before that, before, before 2016, but it was like 2016 hit Donald Trump got elected and all of the cult and the culture war just got cranked up to 11. Yeah, for sure. And now finally, seven years later, the population, at least in the States, has woken up to say, we're tired of it. We're boycotting Bud Light. We're boycotting Target. We're boycotting uh, uh, Kohl's and Harley Davidson and Ford and all of these businesses that are really, in my opinion, just bending to their ESG credit score. Yeah, for sure. They're watching their businesses tank and 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 media companies too and it's evidenced by this movie the sound of freedom an independent film that went up against indiana jones 5 and is the the number one movie in america or or at least it was see and this is one of the really interesting things it's a great it's great evidence of the culture war and and the censorship culture that is sort of uh well, I don't know. Would you say censorship is piggybacking on on the culture war, or is the culture war piggybacking on censorship? I'm going into. Go, uh, go ahead. Yeah, 
I think there's always been an element of censorship. I, I just think at this time, it is the... They're hand in the hand. Skip to my little. Yeah, I think the the polarized, you know, different sides of that are the people that are just using it this time. But, you know, if you go back, you know, 10 years to censorship around the economy and what Bush was doing and all this sort of stuff. So, it, you know, censorship is not new, but the people that are using it are certainly new and the ways that they're using it is certainly new, you know, deplatforming and trying to fight back against certain content. I mean, I, I just don't understand how an article like the one from Rolling Stone is acceptable. It, it is not journalism. And this journalist will be the exact same person that would complain about someone complaining about the little mermaid or the new Indiana Jones movie or any of the new, you know, CW complete horseshit written, uh, films. And if someone writes a pretty, uh, juicy article about, you know, complaining his work or whatever, this person that's written this article now will complain about that. And then simultaneously write this article using the same exact tactics that the other people write about those articles. And I just find that disgusting. Well, the headline... It's a double standard. The headline is, Sound of Freedom is a superhero movie for dads with brain worms. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is... It's it's pretty strong. It's pretty funny. uh, Unless you're a cultural warrior on the right, and in which case it's going to piss you off and rightfully so why so the sound of freedom is it's winning the box office war with indiana jones five for crying out loud now however you want to feel about indiana jones and what disney has done to storied franchises like indiana jones and star wars the reason that this movie it gets made today is because they anticipate Disney anticipates it's going to make millions and millions of dollars, which it did. However, it's been outshined by this movie, the sound of freedom, a superhero movie with dads that have brain worms, apparently. (laughs) And it's made, uh, (coughs) damn it all. $40 million and counting, but you can't find any current numbers. Why? Because it's become such a sensation. It's become a sensation because it's a good movie. And it's beating Indiana Jones. So we have this article that comes out on on Rolling Stone. Written by Miles Klee. K-L-E-E. Feel free to find him on social media and let him know what you think of his tremendous writing. Yeah. Where he just completely bashes the film he doesn't really discuss he doesn't really talk about the film he just talks about the main character the main actor here and i can't pronounce his name i'm so sorry caviezel caviezel he just talks about him and his connections to QAnon. look i don't give a flying fuck you know tom cruise is like one of the biggest Scientologists like on earth. And I do not agree with his opinions or the way he lives his life or whatever. Okay. That's a great point. I still go and see his movies. He's a good actor. And I go and see his films because they are entertaining. Okay. Well, it's like Michael Jackson. 
I love it's like I love Michael Jackson. I love Michael Jackson's music. I don't know if he touched kids. Maybe he did. But I'm still gonna I still enjoy his songs. And it's not like Miles Clee sat down with Jim Caviezel and did an interview. There was no journalism here. He saw the movie and now he's talking a bunch of shit about Caviezel and about fringe conspiracy theories that some people believe. I mean, this is like Caviezel probably couldn't sue for defamation based on this article, but because, you know, because he's a public figure, but this, this author, he's not being fair. I mean, that's it's, it's not it's not fair. It is not fair because you are using the real life aspects of this guy to judge this film. And that makes no sense. He doesn't even talk in the article. He doesn't even talk about the film until the third fucking paragraph. Actually, no, the fourth paragraph. He's still, by the third paragraph, he's still talking. Ballard himself has dabbled in Q ascent conspiracy theories. He's fucking talking about this already. He's going into the Q and on. I, I don't care. I don't care. If Alex Jones was a fucking good actor, I would still see his fucking movies. You know, even if he was a, you know, Turn of the Frogs gay or whatever, the, you know, that guy. Well, but, uh, <laughs> but actually, just, dude, have you heard? I mean, you brought no. it up. So this tangent is fully 100% your fault. The, <laughs> Here we go. Here the we information go. is comes. out now. The information is out. No way. Atrazine and, and uh, uh, RFK Jr. brought it up, I think, on uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. Atrazine from Wikipedia is a chlorinated herbicide of the triazine class. It is used to prevent pre-emergence broadleaf weeds in crops such as corn, soybean, and sugarcane. And it literally turns frogs gay. Oh, RFK that's actually so funny. I'm not going to lie. That is actually so funny. <laughs> RFK referenced the study on Joe Rogan. They took uh, 40 frogs, exposed them to, I mean, I don't know what levels but they exposed them to this chemical compound, atrazine. And of the 40 frogs, I think 30 became sterile, six became gay, and four completely mutated their sex to female and started producing viable eggs. Wow, that's crazy. Crazy! That's actually crazy, bro. But you're right. If Alex Jones made movies that were good, I would like them. I mean, yeah. do you like good movies? Do people like good things? Yes, yes, they do. do absolutely, they, they, absolutely. This, this Rolling Stone article that digs into Jim Caviezel's belief in God and his affinity for conservative talking points means irrelevant. that we shouldn't go see his movie. So why, why should we really not go see this movie? Why do leftist publications like Rolling Stone want to like, I, I honestly wanted to go through yeah, this, like, this whole think... article, pick it all apart, but it's so long. He just goes and goes and goes the final. Let, let's read the final paragraph. 
There is visible suffering all around us in America. Oh, God. There are poor and unhoused and people brutalized or killed by police. There are mass shootings, lack of health care, climate disasters. And yet over and over, the far right turns to these sordid fantasies about godless monsters hurting children. Now, as in the 1980s satanic panic, they won't even face the fact that most kids who suffer sexual abuse are harmed not by a shadowy cabal of strangers, but at the hands of a family member. To know thousands of adults will absorb sound of freedom, this vigilante fever dream, and come away thinking themselves better informed on a hidden civilization crisis, well, it's profoundly depressing. Worse still, they'll want to spread the word. So, don't go see the movie because there are bigger problems in the world. And don't... Don't go see the movie because it's not an accurate representation of reality? (laughs) (laughs) Well, but maybe it is. And maybe that's why the left doesn't want people going to see it because of all of the, I mean, it, it's too late. The, the, the lids off Pandora's box. People are already seeing it in droves and they're already spreading the word. I think this, I think this comes down to a bigger point with not the left, but I would say the far left. Okay. Cause there's like people that are moderately left and you know, for the most part, they're just regular fucking people. Okay. But the far left are trying to get their head around the fact. And it's very difficult for them. Okay. This is not something that the far right has a problem with. But they're really struggling with the fact that not everyone else thinks the same as them. And that for them is really difficult. Because they'll put out a film that they've written. Okay. Oh, I've written this and this is like really progressive and this is really cool. And people are going to really enjoy this because there's no story. There's no character development. There's no nothing, but there is a gay love story or something that's like forced in there into the writing. And then no one goes to see it because no one gives a fuck about any of that. They don't care. And they're like, they, they struggle with their brain to, to, to understand why no one likes this, even though they think they like it. They're struggling to, they're physically struggling to understand why the majority of the people do not uh, care about, you know, being a super activist where they stand in the street and glue themselves to a, a lamppost for justice or something. That's not the reality of most people. Most people are just regular people that work a nine to five and they go to a movie on, on the weekend and just want to chill out and have fun. Yeah, they want the they, escape. They, they don't want to be constantly reminded of the, the struggles in the world. They, they want to escape into this fantastical place. And it's, it's like with, with content now, it's, it's like, it's no wonder that Hollywood is failing and, and broadcast television is failing be, because we're becoming immune to this narrative culture that is is almost like be these people are writing scripts with uh you know with a checklist okay gay gay relationship yes uh white devil yes uh you know racist uh, overtones or or undertones or both yes you know and at the end of the at the end of your your writing when you have your complete peace as long as you've checked all of those boxes the algorithm tells you it's a good movie <clears throat> like yeah, there was that, completely ridiculous that movie these that, characters go ahead uh, uh, just these characters that they're writing are shit okay 
they're two dimensional. They're not, they're not a, a reflection of what anyone could physically be ever. Because quite often they think of a strong progressive character and what ends up being represented on the screen is someone that is so physically repulsive that it's just like you could not be around them they're like awful they're, they're you know that they're they're, per they're perfect and at the same time massively arrogant and so you can't relate to them and i'm just going to list off okay because many people in like these scenes say oh there's not enough representation and there's not enough strong female characters or whatever the fuck they are completely wrong there's always been incredibly strong female characters in film and there could be today but they choose to write these two-dimensional stupid people like stuff from the new ghostbusters film where you know there's no background to any of anything it's just all Take it on face value. And I'm just going to list it off. Okay. Ellen Ripley from Alien. You know, she's Great like film. the fucking main character. Uh, Clarice Starling, Science of the Lambs. Oh, yeah. Hello, Clarice. That's it. That's it, right? You got Far Milan from Milan. That's a Disney film. That's another good one. CCP propaganda, but uh, continue. It's the old <laughs> one. Not, not the new one. I'm sorry. I couldn't yeah. resist. Did you see the new one? I know. No, I haven't seen the new one, actually. Yeah, I, I heard it was uh, quite obviously CCP propaganda, so I, I skipped it. But I agree. The, um, I don't know if yeah, I would yeah, put Milan in my, in my top five, but it's, it's up there. I mean, it's, it's a classic for sure. Well, well yeah, I mean, the, the, the previous movie, it was just a normal, she was just a normal woman that, or girl that you would just meet in real life. And that to me is like, okay, that's good. The new films, whatever is, is, is whatever, but the old one, like the old one from the early two thousands. Yeah. The animated, you know, that's, you know, the animated one, right? You got like princess Leia. That's another great one. You got Helen Parr from, uh, Incredibles. That's another animated one. Oh yeah. You yeah. Got, you know, the, you know, just a regular mom, just a regular normal mom. And she, she has a superpower and she just saves her kids and, and does, and there's, and there's nothing, there's nothing to read into it. Oh, they're just a superhero family and, and she's the mom and, and she just does that thing and, and the story plays out and that, and that's perfect. Well, it's you, literally perfect. You, you touched on a, on a really important, maybe the most important point, which is identifying with the characters. That's what people want to see. That's what helps people escape in TV shows, in movies, in video games, is you identify yeah. with certain characteristics and, and actions of the characters. And yeah. when these people go through with the, these, these woke people trying to write movies to satisfy their ESG score, go through their checklist, they either disregard or completely forget that this is one of the most important parts of creating characters is making them relatable. Yeah, for sure. And because so these days they would write Clarice Starling from Sons of the Lambs. She would never go to see Hannibal. She would already know where the guy was. And yeah, it'd be 20 minutes her girl power. <laughs> that's it yeah she could tell the boss no you don't believe in me because i'm a fucking woman i'm gonna go and then i'm just gonna shoot the guy and she would already know where he was and she would work it all out and she wouldn't need hannibal and she'd just go and shoot it and be just two-dimensional and you'd be like well how is that fucking possible you're like 20 years old you have no experience in the fbi and you just worked it out yeah and you you have no humility you have no other admirable uh characteristics 
yeah. it's it's like if they would have uh oh buddy you know you know who else is a great female character that i think just what? missed just missed the culture war what 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 judy hops oh yeah from yeah, zootopia yeah, yeah. and that yeah, was even yeah, yeah. that was even a little bit woke but you know what the message was anybody can be anything in in zootopia and it wasn't like yeah. uh uh there was no black white racial you know whatever there was no uh uh gay relationships it was the reality of people will judge you based on what you look like and yeah, and sure. where you come from and that's a reality of life that's not <laughs> yeah, that's not it, culture war nonsense that's real life that's real life that's real life you know you, you've got this is just even more you've got the bride from kill bill you know the main character oh yeah you know she's like a perfect example right you know you can you can completely relate to her situation and it's already set up in the beginning that she is like a highly trained assassin so the things that she does you understand already that okay she is perfectly capable of of doing this you know she has the hattori hanzo sword so the things she does make sense but in nowadays she would already be, you know, a massive assassin and they would never give any backstory to why. They would just say, well, she just is because she's a woman and she can do anything. But that's that's the difference now and, and then. And, you know, an, another great example is Imperator Furiosa from the latest Mad Max film. You know, that's another female character. Oh, is that uh, is, Charlize Theron's character? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That another was way better than go, I thought it was going to be. So good, right? So good. I watch that film every year. It's absolutely fantastic. She does a brilliant job. And the reason I love her character is because you just, you get this sense that uh, there's, there's, there's almost nothing to read into her, her situation other than the fact that um, she's in this bad situation. She wants to get out of it. And she has this image that she needs to get this better place and there's there's nothing in it that has it there's an there's an element of the sort of female um you know there's the element of the feminine sort of side to it where she wants to meet up with these with these other women and stuff and and, and make a better life but it's not it's not the element that um she is indestructible and that all of her problems have been, have been caused well, by men. I think that the element that's missing there, uh, you just, I mean, you basically just beat me to it. There's no white devil. I mean, there's bad guys, but there's no yeah. sense of this oppression, this, this cultural oppression that's in everything. There, there's this, uh, this horror movie. I don't, I don't even remember the name. I don't care to even mention it. Starts out, it, it's fairly recent, um, and it's on Netflix, and I'd be happy to tell you the, the title at, at some later date. It's constant. Every five minutes, there's a reference to, oh, well, these, <clears throat> it's the, the, the patriarchy, the constant reference to the patriarchy that's holding you down. I mean, it kicks off with the murder of this kid by some uh you know white privileged high school star athlete that 
uh, beats this gay kid to death in, in some hazing ritual. So already off the bat, like I just fired it off as something to watch with my wife while we work out. Cause that's, that's our routine. That's how we roll. And 10 minutes in, I'm like, I don't think I'm going to make it because it's nonstop. The patriarchy, the oppression, you're, yeah. you're gay and they hate you. You're black and they hate you. You're a female and they hate you. But also one of the uh, villains, at least that was established in the first 20 minutes was very affluent, uh, white female. So it was, so there were no, I mean, and, and this is one thing that drives me crazy with, uh, with any kind of content, just personally, I have to have a character that I can like at least one like books, movies, games across the board. It doesn't matter what it is. I have to have one character that not even, I mean, I don't know. We could probably, you know, have a therapy session where I explain how I can identify with, with these, <laughs> with these characters, but on yeah, at, yeah, yeah. at face value, I don't necessarily feel like I identify with them, but I'm like, Oh, you know, that's, I like her. I like him. I, you know, I like these characters. So I'm going to keep watching. There was a book by, um, Clive Barker, a horror writer. I, I only got about halfway through it because there were no, like every character in the book was a scumbag and, and would just do like you would, I I'm, I'm reading through chapter after chapter going, okay, I like this guy. I like this guy. And then get to the next chapter to find he, Oh, he, uh, you know, was a rapist or he beat his wife or, or something just totally detestable to where I'm now reading this book going, well, I don't care what happens to this guy. Cause he's a piece of shit. Yeah. And that's how we go ahead. Yeah. That, no, that, and that's exactly the problem that we have now in a lot of modern films where they make the main character like that. And so you become completely detached you don't care if this person wins or loses because you're led to believe that they're indestructible and they're morally righteous and And then they they think everybody's a racist or a misogynist or some kind of yeah so like you you're just like well there's no stakes you know the the person's net fuck off go get killed by the by the slasher you know like that's that was kind of what this movie was was getting set up to to be like you know like a a slasher film where you know i we didn't watch past the first 20 minutes it was it was set up like the slasher was gonna go kill all the racists hooray thank you freddy krueger for solving our racism problem by killing all the evil high school kids in this in this horror film and it's it's weird actually that there's so much uh so much of the content seems to drift into this area of the bad guy isn't really the bad guy or or the bad guy is the bad guy but maybe he's not that bad and i, I am a fan of that kind of content sometimes where the line between good and evil is kind of gray and and blurry like a joker or was it Joker or the Joker? The one with uh, Joaquin Phoenix. That, I think it's just called Joker. I mean, that one's great. And, and that can be really successfully executed. 
when you have a character like Joaquin Phoenix or an actor like Joaquin Phoenix playing this really likable character with like these these character flaws that just make you kind of sympathetic. Like one of my favorite all time examples of that is the cable guy. With uh, Jim Carrey and uh, Matthew Broderick. Riddick's film. Any other character that that tries to play um uh chip douglas you know jim jim carrey's character anyone other than jim carrey tries to play that movie and it's a total bomb and another black mark on on matthew broderick's filmography but since it's jim carrey the whole time i'm watching this movie i'm thinking come on man be his friend it's jim carrey look how awesome he is who wouldn't want to be friends with that guy <laughs> yeah but I recently played uh, The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, great games, very cinematic, great uh, storytelling, great gameplay, great, great, great. I mean, I'm stingy with giving out perfect review scores, but I would say that's it. It, it could easily be a ten out of ten or a nine out of ten for the first IGN. game. The second game. I, I mean, it was ruined for me by the story. First of all, every girl in the game, did you play it? The golf club. I think that was the scene, wasn't it? Oh, oh yeah. Um, now, well, I'm not talking about that specifically, although that was bad. The, uh, no, just the fact that like all of the girls were lesbians and, uh, you spend the whole second half of the game playing as the villain. First of all, it's, a, it's, oh, that sucks. it's all about, that. it's all about revenge. It's a revenge story. And, and it's not like a righteous revenge story. It's a revenge story where both of the main characters that you play. So the, the first half of the game or, or the first, maybe the first act or the first two acts you play as Ellie, the character, uh, the girl from the first game. Then the second half of the game you play as, uh, I, I don't even remember her game or her name, but the, basically the, you, you begin to play as the villain or, or who is established as the villain in the first half of the game. Both of these main characters are on revenge missions where they completely disregard everyone else important in their lives. And they set out through the zombie infested wasteland to right. exact their revenge upon these, you know, the, the, the deserving parties. And by the end of the game, I'm just totally demoralized, depressed, feeling like I just lost, you know, whatever number of, of hours in my life that I will never get back. And I don't understand the phenomenon of glorifying the villain that is that is permeating our culture there has to be some sort of psychological goal that the the narrative pushers the the generals in this culture war are trying to accomplish by making us sympathize with the villains and another thing that jumps out to me i mean we're talking movies so we might as well just keep talking movies is the more recently result, uh, released uh, Disney movie Raya. 
Did you see that one? No, I've not. I've not seen that one. So it's it's uh, like ancient Asian culture. I don't want to say Chinese necessarily. But it goes into, uh, you know, and, and it could be, I mean, I'm, I'm so ignorant on Asian culture. I don't know if it was, if it's like a fable or, or what, but it's, uh, there, there's a theme that permeates towards the end of the movie, which is no matter how many times this person stabs you in the back over and over and over again, you should keep trusting them, keep trusting them keep getting stabbed in the back. And as it shows at the end of this movie, as, lo- as long as you keep trusting them, eventually your trust will pay off. And this person that stabbed you in the back three times already won't stab you in the back again. And it's just like, give me a break. That cannot possibly yeah. be the moral in this movie. Keep trusting the person that over and over again has proven to you that they're not capable of your trust. What is that? Who benefits from that? I mean, to, to me, and this is my, this is my bias. This is my conspiracy brain. To me, this is Chinese propaganda that says, I know we keep doing bad things to you over and over again, but just keep trusting us guys. Come on, keep trusting because eventually it will pay off for you. I don't think that's a message that anyone should, uh, be believing in we like we the bad guys are the bad guys for a reason and i i think one of the reasons that top gun was so successful and why this this movie the sound of freedom is so successful is because it's about getting the bad guys because the bad guys are there the bad guys exist the bad guys are in real life and that's one of the the detriments that this movie presents to the left because it's like you say this this far left culture the 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 culture that has the biggest issue with this child sex trafficking uh superhero movie that is the sound of freedom is because the far left is trying to normalize pedophilia and it's i mean i don't know if you believe that or not but from this chair it's blatantly obvious yeah it's there, there are those uh you get those like super duper 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 like lib left people they're like those map people yeah they want to put All that right. in the lgbt efg hijklmnop you know they want to add that on there L- map i wonder what their flag's gonna be <laughs> you know what I mean? They always make a flag. Oh man! Like, All right, we're gonna take submissions so, I, so we can pick them out from a fucking distance. You know, <laughs> we're gonna take submissions for the uh, the MAP flag. Go to go to oh vox four hundred four dot com. And <laughs> I have a fucking amazing segue for this. <laughs> Hit me! All those, yeah, those MAP people. I hope they have their flag so we can cluster bomb the shit out. Yeah, because the cluster bombs, boy. Those that's the shit. I was reading about the cluster bombs because, you know, of course, Joe Biden is sending uh, cluster bombs to Ukraine or he's thinking about. Well, I mean, I don't know. Let's be real. When they're talking about it in the news, it's probably already happened, right? Yeah, pretty much. These cluster bombs, there's a there's a a cluster convention dot org. This organization with a hundred member states 
Yeah, have twenty. Yeah, have all agreed that cluster bombs are really bad and they need to be banned from now. On one hand, I can't, I can't bring myself to really agree with any rules of engagement. Maybe that's wrong. I would, I would be happy to have someone experienced in, in, you know, the laws of war and rules of engagement, et, et cetera, sit down and explain to me why it's necessary, but it's war. I mean, that's the ultimate end to civility, right? Like there's no more gentlemanly conversation. I know the history of war is that, oh, the Lords would gather their armies and they'd agree to be, you know, whatever, like, okay. <coughs> If you don't kill me, I won't kill you, but these lads can kill each other. And the one with more lads left wins. Deal? Deal. Okay. Ready, fight. But now, what's, I mean, and this was uh, sort of the basis for that movie, uh, The Patriot with Mel Gibson. Where yes. it, was, it, was, it was presented like this is the, uh, the birth of guerrilla war where we hide in the trees and jump out with our hatchets and kill the British. Am I right? Kill them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, uh, oh, I've, uh, I've lost it now. It's, it's dishonorable. It's dishonorable to hide in the trees and jump out when your enemy least expects it. I don't subscribe to that. Uh, you should subscribe to this podcast though. On, on all your favorite podcast platforms. <laughs> Sorry, shameless. So why? What, what's the point? Why would you say we have this really sweet bomb that floats, it soars through the air on a missile? The missile opens up and scatters all of these little bomblets. They're called, which is just adorable, all across the ground. Cute, yeah. And and they they detonate and and you know, rain destruction. It's, it's almost like you took a shotgun and turned it into a missile and all of your little shotgun pellets explode when they, you know, when they land. The downside is that these, the little bomblets don't explode. So it could be that somebody comes across one and, you know, I'm, I'm imagining the, the hangup is, Oh, a civilian comes across one and steps on it or picks it up and it blows up in their hands. Okay. No civilians got injured in the, in the, the initial attack. Like I understand trying to protect civilians, but you know what comes to mind when I think, or when I hear oh, we need to reduce civilian casualties. How about not going to fucking war? How about that? That, you know, yeah. that would be great protection for civilians resolving your differences without sending in the cluster bombs. But I can't really, yeah. I, I can't take a position where I say, yeah, no cluster bombs. No. I mean, it, it's, it's war. Let like my position is let's not have war. If we're going to have yeah, war, I, why put any, why put any shackles on it? I definitely agree. Um, it's one of those things where I believe people have become desensitized to normal living conditions. There is no, I'm going to call the police because someone's bombed my house. 
there is only one response to that. <laughs> the cops say, yeah, yes. me too. It sucks. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's one of those things where in reality, there is no rule. There are no real rules other than the ones that you will say to your opponent, your opponent agree on. You know, who are we to say what the rules of engagement should be for two, uh, two other countries? They're fine out any way they can to beat each other. <laughs> and that's, that's the reality of it. And for Canada or Spain or whatever the fuck, for them to go, no, you shouldn't fight like this. I, you know, that's, I believe, that's too bad. Right? Yeah, fuck you're off. Not the one, yeah, you're <laughs> not the one getting bombed or bombing someone else. So it doesn't involve you. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, no one like, invaded it, your country. It's all well and good. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't tell me how to defend my country. You know exactly. what? Exactly. It's, uh, well, what I think yeah. is, I mean, this just occurred to me. I think. Biden is putting out this cluster bombs narrative to bring, not only to bring the Ukraine conflict back into the headlines, but also to cover up the, the cocaine story uh, or, or any of his other potential scandals. Like there's a few, uh, first of all, the cocaine that, that was found in the white house. You heard about that. Yeah. I have not heard about that. I actually have not heard about that. This is, this is, tell me about this. Oh man. All right. Well, this headline from the guardian U S secret service investigating as cocaine reportedly found in the white house. It's so interesting that none of this has made its way over to the UK because it's been all week all week long since it was discovered. Who could have possibly brought the cocaine into the White House? Was it this guy? Was it that guy? It was found over here. It was Colonel Mustard in the dining room. First, they said they found it in the library. But the problem with finding it in the library is that there's only a very finite number of people that could have brought it into the library. Whoa. And then they say, oh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't the library. It was this other more public area over here. And then, oh, no, it wasn't actually in that area over there. It was in the cubbies where people come in and they're preparing, as I've heard it explained by, by Dan Bongino, who is a very popular podcaster, media personality, who actually worked in the Secret Service for 12 years. He has said that the Biden regime and their press corps are preparing to blame it on construction workers that are working in another part of the white house. However, the problem with that story is that all of those people are sub are subjected to extreme scrutiny through white house security. Why is yeah. this a story that is perpetuating all week? Oh, hey, is, cocaine uh, was found in the White House. Gee, I wonder who might have brought it in there. Could it have possibly been the guy that loved to film videos of himself smoking crack with hookers that happens to be the offspring 
of the cadaver in chief that's occupying the White House? Could that possibly be the explanation? Hmm. I wonder. Hmm, I wonder. Sorry, I got, I got very animated. But give me a break. This was a half a day story at best. And it's been going on all week. Surprisingly, which is why Biden has to roll out the, uh, the, the cluster bomb story. Yeah, we're yeah. thinking about uh, we're thinking about breaking. We're, we're thinking about committing war crimes. What do you guys think about that? What, 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 what? And then the news comes out that they've arrested uh, one of the whistleblowers that was trying to expose the corruption of the Biden family and 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 taking bribes from uh, Ukrainian oligarchs to and, and, and it's really interesting. I mean, this is kind of old news. But you know the story. Joe Biden was, uh, when he was vice president, he was the quote point man for Ukraine and, and for other countries. You know, his, his expertise was foreign policy. So he goes into Ukraine claiming that it has this corruption problem with his prosecutor, Viktor Shokin, who's investigating Burisma the Ukrainian energy company who just happens to be employing Hunter Biden's son. So Joe Biden goes to Ukraine, threatens the Ukrainian leadership and says, Hey, you better fire this prosecutor, this corrupt prosecutor. He's really corrupt. That's why you got to fire him. Not, not because he's investigating the, the energy company where my son sits on the board. Not, not that, not that. And he says, if you don't fire this, this prosecutor, we're not going to give you a billion dollars in loan guarantees. Now this whistleblower comes out. Gal Luft is his name. And he says, the Bidens are extensively corrupt and they've been taking bribes from, from foreign entities. Now it's, have you heard the term 10% for the big guy? Have you, no. have you heard that? That hasn't made its way into your media zeitgeist? We, we get very little on the whole Hunter Biden and Joe Biden situation. We get very drips and drabs. Uh, of course, I wouldn't say because they're um, lessening the story here, but you know, our local government have so many fuck-ups that I think they're just focusing on that right now. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, the, the media can't report on everything. That's, that's one of the things that actually bugs me about the media <clears throat> but one of the things in 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 hunter biden's laptop in these emails is a reference to the big guy well who's the big guy some of hunter biden's business partners have come out and said that the big guy is joe biden now joe biden told the ukrainian government if they don't get rid of this prosecutor that's investigating his, uh, his son. They're going to withhold a billion dollars in loan guarantees. And it's even come out now that Ukrainian leadership at the time said, okay, fine. We fired him. He didn't do anything wrong, but we fired him anyway. And James Comer, he's a congressman. He sits on, uh, 
House Intel Committee, I believe. He said that there is more evidence of more bribes of money coming from Ukraine, Romania, and China. And I think that this story about the cocaine could even be to cover up for that because the president of the United States being a pawn for foreign governments would, I mean, when I hear people talk about this, it's very fantastical, but I've heard a person say refuting the idea that Biden is working for China has said, no, if that were the case, if anyone found out that Joe Biden was working for a foreign government and making decisions that were detrimental to the, you know, success of, of the United States, someone would just kill him. Someone would, would just arrest him. Do you believe that? Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I, I think, I think so. If, if uh, a serious amount of people believe that Joe Biden was acting not in the best interest of the US. I think there would be a concerted effort to get to get rid of him. But what I will say is that their ability to convince the people around them that what they are doing is in the best interest of the US is something to be looked at. Yeah. A little bit how Bush and what was Bush's running mate? I always forget his name. Oh, the vice president. Dick Cheney, that's him. Oh, yeah, yeah, George, guys. that's right. right. I couldn't remember either. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so him and Cheney, they, they were like, you know, they convinced everyone this is, you know, what we need to be doing. We need to be going over to Iraq and got the WMDs, you know, all this sort of shit. So that's like, you know, they were doing something that wasn't really in the best interest of America, but they had convinced everyone around them. But if you would imagine he did that and didn't convince anyone, I think it would have been pretty obvious that people, you know, everyone from the defense, from the CIA, from the FBI, you know, everyone, even the Secret Service would probably just be like, look, this is just crazy. Take him yeah. down. Well, I wish that was, I wish I could believe that, but I feel like we've been set up. And this is one of the things that I used to always bring up back in my, you know, election fraud conversations. If they if the justice department wasn't compromised, they wouldn't be taking these risks that they're taking. And I mean, look how, like, look how set up everything is with, with Hunter Biden and his laptop. If there are, and I think there are nefarious people behind the scenes, pulling the strings of, of Joe Biden and his administration. I mean, not that they even need to, pull the strings because he's, I mean, he's gone. He's, he's not there. The, the engine's running, but nobody's behind the wheel. If there's any pushback, if anybody tries to bluster and say, oh no, you know, serving the people, da da da. Well then suddenly uh, another story leaks out. Suddenly there's more pictures of Hunter with, with, uh, underage hookers it's it's more about him smoking crack like most recently it, there was video now out of him driving a, a porsche through the desert doing 175 while he's smoking crack 
Now, whether that's true that's or not, funny, actually, yeah, it's fucking hilarious. Sounds like pretty, he sounds like someone cool <laughs> to hang out with, to be honest. Yeah, the American dream. Let's all, let's all, yeah, let's all hang out with Hunter Biden. He's got unlimited money from bribery, and we can all just smoke crack and drive around the desert as fast as we like. But to put a put a button on this conversation and this podcast, my my favorite theory that I've heard, and I haven't dug into it. I've just heard, I heard one, one person in, in a, uh, YouTube super chat suggested that the cocaine will be linked to Kamala Harris and she will be impeached and Gavin Newsom, the governor, the, the horrible leftist governor. I mean, the guy is a monster. Yeah. He will be appointed to be the vice president. Then Joe Biden will, in my opinion, Joe Biden's going to quote, die unquote. And he's, he's, and, and maybe it'll even be, maybe it'll even be he and Hunter in a car accident. <laughs> yep. I'm just, I'm just picturing him dying. Like, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like he just, he just, he just vanishes. <laughs> He just like, he just like, you know, he just poops into like smoke his, or something. His clothes you know, just so collapse. He just, yeah. Or like, you know, in Indiana Jones when they uncover the mummy and it just like, you know, he just like disintegrates into ash. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, that's it. That there, there is nothing left to say. Thank you all very much for listening. <laughs> yeah thank you very much for listening guys if you want more uh, content go on the next episode and shortly after this I'll be putting up a blog post to cover off uh, some of the stuff we can't cover here yes and vox404.com I am at earthvox on uh, most of the social media platforms if you dare thanks again for listening we will be back <laughs>